I'll go together or we go one at a time. Here it is, here it is. Uh, truck to refrigerators to dumpster, 360 spin onto the pallets, backflip gainer into the trash bag. Yeah, gainer! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hardcore, parkour! Hardcore, parkour! I'm right behind you, Andy! Come on! Do it! Yeah! Parkour. Poor Andy, right? That's what happens when you listen to morons, I guess. Uh, today we continue our sermon series, Five Ways to Wreck Your Life, where we are looking at five different ways uh, that Israel and, and then uh, all too soon Judah um, wreck the wonderful life that God gives to them. Last weekend we looked at Solomon and, and saw how he dated losers and gave his heart away to, to other women and, and foreign gods. As a result, uh, God told Solomon, as Josh read for us earlier, that he would tear the kingdom away from him, at least most of it. And uh, in this week's chapter of the story, we, we read about how that happened uh, with, with Rehoboam and Jeroboam. So today we are going to focus on these two individuals uh, who followed very bad advice by listening to morons. And we'll talk about what we as Christians can learn from them. So let's start... With Rehoboam, King Solomon's son and successor. Solomon has died, and Rehoboam is now ruler over Israel. But before he's even had a chance to get used to the, the weight of the crown on his head, uh, Jeroboam and all the people of Israel come to him and ask him to lighten the load of taxation and heavy labor that his father Solomon had put on them. Rehoboam, perhaps knowing that, that hasty decisions are rarely good ones, asks for three days and asks them to come back. And uh, so this is a pretty good first move. And his next one is pretty wise as well because he consults uh, the elders, the, the wise counselors that, that King Solomon, his father, the, the wisest man in the world, had trusted for guidance. Their advice to Rehoboam is both reasonable and practical. They say, if today you will be a servant to these people, and serve them, and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. These wise elders foresee a relationship of mutual servanthood between the king and his people. But this isn't good enough for Rehoboam. He spurns the good advice of these advisors, and turns instead to his buddies he grew up with, who will tell him what he wants to hear. How many times do, do we feel comfortable only listening to, to people that, that we know well, um, or perhaps people that we know will, will tell us exactly what we want to hear, even if their advice isn't as wise as someone else's? Well, sure enough, uh, whether through overconfidence uh, of, of their youth or just plain inexperience, Rehoboam's childhood pals give him terrible advice. Instead of being a servant king, they tell Rehoboam to say to Israel, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. This advice is neither reasonable nor practical. It's quite moronic, in fact, because as we'll see very soon, Rehoboam lacks the power to carry it out. Here's a, a picture of Rehoboam's little finger for you, by the way, um, painted, I think, in the Renaissance. So, Rehoboam... Uh, as, as we know, follows the advice 
of his brash friends instead of his wise advisors, and it turns out very badly for him. Rehoboam, uh, whose name in Hebrew actually means he who enlarges the people, um, ironically loses 90% of his kingdom. This is one of the most devastating events in the history of Israel. The nation is split in two, never to be united again. Israel is in the north, and Judah is in the south. Jeroboam and the Israelites utterly dismiss Rehoboam's authority, and Rehoboam ends up barely escaping with his life. So I think one of the major lessons that we can take from Rehoboam's tragic story is this. Don't take advice from yes men, or to be politically correct, yes people. Just have to throw that in there. In other words, don't, don't listen to people who are only going to tell you what you want to hear. Such advice is worthless because it's not really advice at all. All you're doing is listening to morons who are afraid to tell you the truth or who are too clueless to know any better. Of course, the worst part of Rehoboam's story is not that he ignored the advice of the elders or, and followed his foolish friends instead. The worst part is that he never even considers consulting God. Not once does Rehoboam come to the Lord in prayer. He doesn't even consult people who might be able to give him good advice, like, like Ahijah, the prophet. And so not only does Rehoboam not listen to the people, he doesn't even try to listen to God. And so we read in, in Second Chronicles that Rehoboam and all Israel with him abandoned the law of the Lord. The scriptures tell us that, uh, that Rehoboam did evil because he had not set his heart on seeking the Lord, something that we heard about Solomon as well. You see, the real danger in taking advice from yes men is that God is never one of them. God doesn't tell us what we want to hear. He tells us the truth. He is God and we are not. And to seek him with our hearts means admitting that he has the words of eternal life. You have to wonder how Israel's history might have looked had Rehoboam valued the words of the Lord. Then we have Jeroboam. In the wake of Rehoboam's disastrous decision, Jeroboam becomes king of the ten northern tribes of Israel, something God had told him would happen in advance through the prophet Ahijah. But Jeroboam soon becomes very fearful that the people are going to realize the temple is in Jerusalem and they're going to turn back to King Rehoboam. What should he do? What can he do? Well, the scriptures tell us that, that Jeroboam also sought advice. But apparently he was listening to morons too because the advice that he follows is he set up two golden calves for the people of Israel to worship instead of worshiping the true God in his holy temple. Now, as we read quite a while back in the story of God's people, this has happened before, right? When the people of Israel were at Mount Sinai and Moses was taking a little too long up on the mountain. Uh, the people of Israel under Aaron's leadership made a golden calf and, uh, and bowed down to worship it. And they said to one another, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt, replacing the true God and his mighty acts of salvation with a lie. But like Rehoboam, Jeroboam refuses to consult God and his word. Instead, he takes these two worthless idols that he's crafted, and he puts one in Bethel, the southernmost city of this new nation of Israel, and the other he puts in Dan, the northernmost 
city of Israel. He's literally surrounding Israel with these idols, these golden calves. Now, now calves and, and bulls were inextricably tied to the fertility rites and the worship of Baal, the false god. And so he installs these, these foreign gods in Israel itself and hymns in his own nation in this way. And guess what he says? Here are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt, replacing the true God and his mighty acts of salvation with lie upon lie. Jeroboam sends Israel spiraling down and down into spiritual oblivion. For the rest of the nation's history, the sin of Jeroboam will be mentioned again and again as all of Israel's kings find themselves sinking deeper and deeper into idolatry, sin, and death. Not only has Jeroboam failed to consult God, he has set himself and his nation entirely against him. And so the major lesson I think we can learn from Jeroboam, found in your sermon outline, is this. Don't follow advice that sets you in opposition to God. It simply doesn't turn out well. It never will. And in the end, God tells Jeroboam, you have done more evil than all who lived before you. And Jeroboam's entire family ends up getting slaughtered by Basha, this guy who takes over the throne of Israel. So what are we to do with all of this? It's pretty clear that we shouldn't be making golden calves and worshiping them, and that we ought to listen to what God has to say to us. But to be honest, sometimes it's not all that clear which advice is good and which is evil. Sometimes we might feel confused or conflicted, uh, kind of like one of my favorite Disney characters, Kronk, in The Emperor's New Groove in this scene. Mission accomplished. You're not just gonna let him die like that, are you? My shoulder, Angel. Don't listen to that guy. He's trying to lead you down the path of righteousness. I'm going to lead you down the path that rocks. I'll come off it. You come off it. You. 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 You infinity. Ah. Listen up, big guy. I got three good reasons why you should just walk away. Number one. Look at that guy. He's got that sissy stringy music thing. We've been through this. It's a harp. And you know it. All right. That's a harp. And that's a dress. Rope. Reason number two. Look what I can do. What? <laughs> What does that have to do with me? No, no. He's got a point. Listen, you guys. You're sort of confusing me, so, uh, be gone. Uh, or, uh, you know, however I get rid of you guys. That'll work. It's amazing how quickly we can get to the point where we can't seem to tell the difference between godly advice and advice that will lead us to complete destruction. Rehoboam and Jeroboam demonstrate for us how slippery a slope this can be. Fortunately, God's word gives us a lot of guidance here. We heard these words earlier from Psalm 1 as, as Adam led us in that. Read this with me if you would. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Did you notice the progression there? Bad advice, sin, is sneaky. It starts out innocently enough. You're, you're just walking down the road, having a, a casual conversation. But then all of a sudden you realize you've stopped. You're standing still. 
you're starting to, to entertain Satan's ideas and temptations. Before you know it, you're caught hook, line, and sinker as you're sitting down among the mockers and you've become one of them. People who mock God and, and disregard his authority in their lives. People like Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Proverbs 12.5 tells us, The plans of the righteous are just, but the advice of the wicked is deceitful. And the devil is an expert at giving terrible advice and making it look really good. Like that fruit in the garden that was so alluring to Adam and Eve. So one way to make sure that the advice you're getting is godly is to consider who it is you're surrounding yourself with. Who are, who are you walking with? Who, whose presence are you standing in? Who do you sit down with on a regular basis? What Psalm 1 teaches us is this. Don't hang around people who will deceive you. Don't give an ear to someone who will just tell you what you want to hear or set you in opposition to God. Of course, part of the problem with this that I've found in my own life is that all too often that someone can be me. I can become so convinced that I know what's right that I don't even look for advice. Jeroboam did this in a couple different ways. We're told that he built high places and appointed priests from all sorts of people, even though they weren't Levites, as God had commanded. He also offered sacrifices at these high places and, and made up festivals, not according to the command of God, but on his own personal whim, in a month of his own choosing. The scriptures really emphasize this, thereby shutting himself off to whatever God had to say to him. Which is why another prerequisite for listening to good advice is this. Get your pride out of the way. As Proverbs says, the way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. And again, pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. If you're avoiding those who would deceive you by not listening to yes men, by making sure that no one sets you in opposition to God, and by getting your pride out of the way, then you'll find yourself in a position where you can listen to good advice, advice that, that will prosper you and, and not harm you, will give you hope in a future, uh, to quote the oft-quoted Jeremiah 29.11. The way that this happens, the most important way that this happens, is the last blank in your sermon outline. Let the Spirit guide you with the word. Let God guide you the way that he promises to guide you through his revealed will in Holy Scripture. This is how we test the advice we receive. What did Jesus do when the devil had him in the desert and was giving him really terrible advice and making it look really good? He tested it against God's word. And when Peter came up to Jesus and told him to, to change his path, not to go to Jerusalem, to get away from the way of the cross. Jesus tested that advice against the will of his heavenly father, even though that advice would have been incredibly comfortable and easy for him to follow. And he went to the cross to die for us, and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. This is what the blessed man does in Psalm 1. He doesn't entertain sin, walking, standing, or sitting. Instead, his delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law, he meditates day and night. That word law there is, is the Hebrew word Torah. It really means just teaching instruction. The, the, the entire counsel of God, uh, the, the holy scriptures. So this is where we find godly advice, the word of the Lord. And by that I mean not just the scriptures, but the word himself, Jesus Christ. Like we said last week, Jesus is himself, wisdom 
from God. And through his spirit, he guides us into the path of righteousness, which incidentally is the path that rocks. And when we mess up and when we take bad advice now and then, which we will do, we take refuge in his mercy because Christ did not turn away from the way of the cross. Unlike Rehoboam and Jeroboam, he told God, not my will, but your will be done. And he suffered and he died for us. Through him, we have forgiveness for our sins. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the word of eternal life. So walk in his forgiveness and in his life. Stand with him. Sit down with him every day. In the end, there can be no better advice than that. In Jesus' name, amen.